welcome to this episode of GSA's podcast channel. I'm Donna Stevens, uh, GSA's Chief Executive, and in this series, I'm lucky enough to have conversations with all sorts of interesting people who are given a much needed focus from a girls' school's perspective on everything that matters in education right now. So I'm with Chris Holds, who is currently the head of Sheffield Girls Infants and Junior School, and his career spans over 30 years in education, with the past 18 years in senior leadership positions within schools across the UK. He has a passion for all things scientific and mathematical, um, having been a science teacher for much of his teaching life and was recently appointed a visiting fellow at STEM Learning. He has also has a keen interest in character and skills education and how these are developed, particularly in the younger age groups and how they impact children's long-term futures. Personally, he enjoys family time, walking in the beautiful surrounds of the Peak District and holidays to any seaside destination. He's an avid reader and enjoys the chemistry of cooking and baking. So Chris, it's good to have you with us today. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. How do Wednesdays usually look for you? Well, this morning in Sheffield, bright and sunny. So from a weather point of view, I'm, I had a very lucky uh, start to my Wednesday morning. But tends to be Wednesday morning is um, a day when I spend out on the playground, rain or shine, welcoming the children into school. Tend to, by mid-morning, have made my rounds around all the classrooms to say good morning to the children because we do not have a, a kind of an assembly gathering until after lunch on Wednesday. So the girls come in, hit the ground running with their work and their activities, um, and I try to make my kind of rounds around the school. As most school leaders, I've got the buildup of the emails that have to be trawled through and uh, and actioned various things, and then I have colleagues who pop in and out of the office. But Wednesday is usually that midpoint in the week where you know the uh, the Monday morning assembly's over, the Friday assembly's yet pe- you know pending in the background. So um, it's uh, it's a really lovely start to to the day on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, that sounds nice, particularly the sun is shining in Sheffield. Something better than hearing children playing, particularly the younger year groups. So have you ever been on a podcast before? And how did you feel when we invited you onto ours? Well, uh, no, I haven't. This is a first uh, kind of foray into a podcast. I probably have to admit a little bit nervous thinking about what it was going to be like and all that, but very much reassured by the team at, at GSA to say, you know, it'll be all right. Um, and uh, I think it's a really lovely opportunity to be able to kind of have these kind of conversations to a wider audience, being able to hear about what's going on in education, uh, opinions from various people. So really, really looking forward to the time. Good. That's great. And yeah, definitely don't be nervous. So after 18 years as senior leader in schools, you must have seen a lot of change in education over the years. What has changed uh, and what has remained constant in your view? I think in that time, well, basically the whole of my career, barring the first year, has been in independent education. So um, as I moved into a senior, senior leadership position, the constant, I think, has been the enthusiasm of the children, the love of learning you see within um, all the schools I've been able to work in, um, the commitment of the teachers that has been a, a very much a constant through, throughout. What has changed? I think we've been through more trying times recently. I think uh, we all hate to say the word COVID, but we have that memory of the COVID experience where there was 
a lot of trials and tribulations that kind of were going on in the school environment. And then the follow, the aftermath of that, where we're having to really look at some of the approaches we have to education with the, the social issues or concerns that uh, many of the children experience in that COVID period where they were at home and not in the school environment. And, and yeah, there's any aspects that has probably been unhelpful um, for pupils, but like, hopefully this sparks some sort of positive progress as well. Um, is that your experience as well? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think when we came back from that period of time, um, it was just the sheer joy with the children being back in a school environment. And as soon as we could start in reintroducing the normality into school life, the trips out, the speakers in, the combined play areas, having to go away from the dreaded bubbles, that was a really, really brilliant time to be back into to a school and see what was going on. And what do you feel most passionately about as a junior head? Well, as you said in my little introduction there, I think over the years, what I've seen is that um, with the high quality teaching that goes on in our schools, the uh, giving of knowledge and, and under, understanding to the children is, is there. It's a given. What I'm really passionate about is developing the character of the child. So being able to go ahead and introduce opportunities for them to experience skill development. And thinking back, you know, to 10, 15 years ago, a lot of that was being addressed as soft skills. And I think there's nothing soft about it. It's life skills. It's skills that our children are needing to develop to kind of confront the, the things that are going to come in front of them, be that in the next academic year or as they make the transition from junior to senior or from senior to higher education or from higher education into the world of work. All those sorts of skills and the idea of building those skills within a school has become kind of a, a passion for myself and looking into it. It's now been kind of rebranded as character education, but it is really those kind of skills for life that you're looking to develop in, in the children, giving those opportunities where they can go ahead and increase their confidence, build their resilience, establish teamworking uh, strategies, uh, being good communicators, as well as good listeners, which all kind of tend to relate to uh, their life beyond the school, for the school gate. Exactly. And those sorts of skills, to start building them at the younger age, I think is really important. It's when the most formative um, years. And I'm as guilty. I, I often call it soft skills, and I, I haven't found a better word for it, but you're right, there's nothing soft about them. So... It's, it's interesting, or less usual, I guess, uh, to have a male head at a girls' school. So why do you think it's just as valuable for girls to have a male head teacher as a female one? Well, I think, I mean, speaking only for myself, I mean, I, I have such a passion for education. And again, um, the whole idea of education is just beyond the, the giving of knowledge and understanding. It's that building of the whole uh, child. And I think in having that passion, and that, oh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Uh, that determination in myself that that is to provide the best possible education for, for the children who are in my care is, is one of the things that kind of led me into wanting to be a senior leader. Being a senior leader of a girls' school and being male, I feel that I can provide an excellent role model for the girls. We do talk a lot about female role models, but equally important is for those girls to have very strong, very true 
male role models in front of them. And um, that's where I've tried to kind of put myself forward there as, as that for them. Yeah, that makes sense. And what do you think um, is specific the role of being a junior head? You know, what's unique to teaching the younger year groups and most joyful? Unique is that you get to see them, as you kind of alluded to before, in those kind of formative years of their learning and their development. And it is such an incredible privilege to be able to go ahead and see how not only their academic persona come out, but their, their characters come out uh, in the infant junior and the influence you can have on that. Being able to go ahead and put those foundations in place for the development of those skills, for them to have those moments of awe and wonder that you see so beautifully done in the infants, for example, the way that the reception children are every single moment of their day is a, a time of experiencing learning. I think that is just an absolute brilliant, uh, and, I, and, I, and I talk about it as being a privileged place to be in that kind of environment. And then as the girls move up through the junior section, their kind of heightening of their awareness of the world around them and being able to talk to them at that little bit of higher level and never underestimating the children at what they're able to comprehend and what they're able to express themselves and giving them their opportunity to express themselves, I think is so very vital. And I think we've often said in GSA Education Committee, you know, there's a reason why they call it the foundation stage down with our reception children, because you are building those foundations for everything that comes thereafter. And I think if you can go ahead and, and give them that strong, strong introduction at that point. Also, they're tonic. You know, I only have to have one of those days where I think, oh, you know, all the emails coming in or this, that, or the other. I just need to go across to see the children, the reception children out in the bug area, exploring their learning, planting their potatoes, watering their plants, or in the rain, still outside in, in, the, in the bug area, uh, making mud soup. It just refreshes you immensely. And it just is one of the best perks of the job. I, I can relate to that as a mother of three junior aged uh, pupils. I can completely relate to everything you said there. So Chris, I'm told that your school has a very enviable retention of its um, teachers. We talked about um, teachers earlier briefly and that their passion has remained constant for you. Um, so you're obviously doing something very right there. In the wider sector, we, we, we could probably say there's, there's a recruitment and maybe retention uh, crisis. So um, you know, how have you inspired that sense of belonging? What advice would you give? you know, the wider challenges we might be facing across the sector. I, I am very lucky with the team I have here at Checo Girls. Uh, and we, we work as a team. I think that's the key thing. Um, we are colleagues. I tend not to use the, the term staff. Um, we are colleagues because we're working together. And there's that element of being collegiate in, in the whole uh, way we work. We do talk a lot in the sense that we come together to discuss. So we have a Monday morning meeting where we discuss teaching and learning. We discuss pastoral uh, uh, kind of initiatives that we want to have in school. We've got a very strong CPD program. So our teachers are always being able to be kind of challenging their own learning, their own kind of career development. There's a lot of collaboration between the different schools. So there's opportunities there where you can go ahead and if you want to, for example, one of the programs we did was looking at science and art at year three. 
And the work that was done there just really built, built a sense of team, not only within our school, but also across two other schools. So there is that connectivity that enables us to do that. We're also very happy with being part of Sheffield schools as well. So we're the only um, girls' school in South Yorkshire, I believe, and definitely in Sheffield. And what we're able to do is branch out and link out with other schools, both maintain and uh, independent schools, and do those collaborative projects. So we've created an, an environment where the team is very, very appreciated for what they do, but we also work very hard to get things done, and we work together on that. That makes sense. I think that's a really important point there about you know collaboration and, and networks and and obviously at GSA, we're a network of 160 schools and, and obviously, you know, you're part of our education committee. So there's, I think all these are connections all along the way so that your, your team, your colleagues rather, you know, feel part of a bigger picture. There's, they're in a bigger family of, of schools, whether it's GSA schools or your state's colleagues. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that collaboration is really important. Um, I, can you tell me um, a highlight moment of your career? And, and maybe a time when it's not felt so great and how you might have dealt with that. A highlight. I think, and this is kind of maybe very relevant to our current climate within education. We, very early on in my time here at Sheffield Girls, we undertook uh, a merger with an other local uh, independent girls school. And um, this school was uh, small, smaller than us. And um, we decided to merge from a point of economy so that both schools were, were stronger together. And I felt that I was slightly unprepared for becoming a mergers and acquisition expert overnight. It very much came down to me as the head to kind of set out a convincing argument for the teachers at both schools that this was a good thing for the parents of both schools that, you know, we were going to be stronger to get, but also for the children. And there was a lot of very nervous children thinking, oh, we're going to be integrating into this school that um, might not be the school that our parents originally chose for us or not. And it was, it was a period of time where I had to really focus on, first and foremost, the children and making sure that they were whole 100% reassured about coming into this new merge school. Very much sound kind of conviction of the ethos of the school and how we were going to be very much stronger together. Uh, and then talking to the parents, talking to the, the colleagues here, the, 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 the team, the teaching team and the admin team as well, which also had to merge. And I think there were a few sleepless nights, I will totally admit on that occasion. There was um, long, long days of, of writing out plans and then even more longer days of talking to people about about that. Um, and then once the merger happened, the work didn't stop there. It was then a continuous process of of doing exactly the same thing, building that kind of sense of of one school, building that kind of connections between parents who had obviously chosen another school and not this one, and now were needing to stay or came into our our, our kind of parent community. Um, and then also colleagues, because uh, again, we were merging the, the teaching staff as well. And I think that was quite an interesting take because um, we just had to reassure everyone that it was for the right reasons. 
and it has. So now, four years later, five years later on, we are such a strong, strong team. And I think, you know, go back to the what we were saying before, the way that the teaching team are consulted, we are working together on projects. It just shows that we are definitely through all that patch. And that, so that was not long before the pandemic, I guess. So from one sort of big challenge to, to another, and I think probably what you illustrated there, Chris, is just how abroad the head's role is. It's not just about education, your business leaders, you know, uh, you know, and the, and the role has grown and grown over yeah. the years, and particularly on the pastoral side. So I think that's an illustration there of, of the extent of, of the role. But, um, but well done on navigating through that. And hopefully it sort of got you prepared for when pandemic hit and there were even more challenges in an area that everyone was unfamiliar with. Definitely. And, and you know, I, I often say, you know, when I speak to other senior leaders, uh, colleagues who are wanting to go into leadership, that, you know, there isn't a, a, a textbook. There isn't something that, you know, has all the kind of jobs that you need to do and the way that you need to do it. You grow into these things. So, you know, you do have to be a chief negotiator when you're trying to sort out a year three issue with a missing pencil case. You need to be a, uh, a very good listening ear to uh, parents who might be concerned that their daughter is not making the right progress or uh, something like that. You need to be diplomatic. You need to have a whole host of different tools in your toolkit when you go into senior leadership that nowhere do you, you kind of get the, the, the book that says it all. It's something yeah. you learn and you develop as you as you grow into that role. Yes, definitely. Was also being a role model, as you said earlier. Yeah. So, talking of role models, who inspires you and why? Who inspires me? Goodness, um, I think I was inspired by my excellent teachers, and I know that sounds kind of like the the normal. Oh, who inspired you to be a teacher? You're my teachers, but I had some very very good teachers who were excellent at being teachers, but also role model to me, the way you listen to children, you you engage with children, you challenge them to kind of find out for themselves. So I was very much inspired by by those those people to kind of eventually go into the route of teaching. Who do I get inspired by? I read a lot. So I um, read uh, a lot of the kind of educational journals and educational kind of books that are coming out. So Guy Claxton is up there. Um, Ken Robinson, I think late Ken, Ken Robinson was an absolute brilliant speaker and his TED Talks, I think even looking back at some of them now, um, he was just so forward thinking in everything that he, he talked about in education. My family inspires me. My, my, I've got, I've got two daughters. Um, they are uh, such hardworking, um, inspirational young women. Okay, now that's a good, an- a good answer. Thinking about your pupils now at the school, and you mentioned earlier, um, you know, don't underestimate what what they're able to comprehend and, and yeah. talk about. So, but what 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 do your pupils want to talk about right now? What 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 are they all thinking about? Concerned about? Well, I think. Um, the, the hot topic, which remains the hot topic, I think, is is our world around us. And our girls are very much aware of um, sustainability, climate change, the whole place of, of them going into the world and what the world, the future world is going to be looking like. 
So um, right from our youngest learners, where they're talking again, like I say, the book hunt, you know, they're going out and they're exploring the the world around them, although be it a kind of outdoor area that we have set aside. Um, but they're seeing the changes, they're talking about um, the, the weather, that sort of thing. And then that moves and morphs up to where they have discussions about sustainability, um, the initiatives that we have within school uh, around um, sustainability, recycling, reusing. Um, they're very, very aware of that, not only from what we talk about within school, but also from what they access outside of school. So what, what worries you for girls in the world? And I guess, you know, how do we balance the need to keep people safe alongside inspiring them to achieve their potential? And then, you know, the, managing the pressures uh, from things like social media. And, you know, that's not going to affect your youngest girls, but I'm sure your 11 oh, and slightly older girls will be starting to feel those effects. So how do we manage that? For girls in particular. One of the big worries I have, the, the big wide world, for all children as well as for, for our girls, is those kind of um, bias, the, the, um, the things that they are up against. And, and you, you alluded there to you know, social media. And I think what I found over the last you know, 10 years is that there's more and more impact on social media um, with younger children. And again, is this an aftermath of the pandemic where many families gave their younger children a device to access online learning or to keep themselves entertained? Or is it just um, society moving on and they are being exposed to various social media platforms at a much earlier age? And I do think that that's a fear that we must have, that how is that influencing them and I think the place of school within that is that we can give them all the e-safety e lessons and the talks in assembly and all that, but we actually need them to, to, to teach them to become discerning users of, of technology. And girls in particular, I think, um, where we, we see so many things targeted directly at girls, I think is, is, is a worry. So I think through education, through having those conversations around making informed choices, that, that's a, a, something that's definitely going to always be on our agenda. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned your daughters earlier as people who um, inspired you. And obviously we talked about being a head or a leader. You don't get a manual. You don't equally as, as a parent. Um, so what have you learned from them along the way? Their incredible resilience. Um, to uh, to every anything and everything that comes their way, I think that is quite inspirational, and it also leads me to quite often talk from the heart as as a parent. When I'm standing in assembly, I can go ahead and and know that this is coming from a very real place uh, about being resilient, about being thoughtful of others, being kind. They're incredibly kind, both of my girls, who um, are very lucky. But, you know, that idea that, that, um, that they've been brought up in a way that they, they know the importance of kindness and consideration of each other. So, yeah, that, that's, that's a very inspiring thing. They, they, then, they in themselves are brilliant role models. So I think um, if I can use them as an example, then it's not a bad example to follow. Okay, let's end then on three takeaways for our listeners today. So what, 
what three piece of advice would you give um, to inspire other other GSA members or, or the education community more widely? I guess probably never underestimate the children that you teach. I think they're amazing in each and every different way that they are amazing. So please never underestimate them and always give them the the, the time to to speak, to talk, to show you what they're doing. Um, I guess going back to the comment we had there, understand kindness. Um, I think we are at times in a world that is unkind, maybe not I, I use the word ugly in the sense that, you know, there's there's something not very pleasant. And I think people being kind to each other can not completely change the world, but it just makes world the world a, a much nicer place to be in. So never underestimate the, the power of kindness either. Um, and I think probably for people who are in leadership positions, be that uh, uh, head of a school or a uh, deputy head or a head of a, uh, a department or that sort of stuff, um, Again, you can't do it all by yourself. And, you know, there are going to be those days where you feel very isolated. You feel very alone in what you, you're doing. But there are others out there. And you will find those people who are your team. And draw on their strength. Bring their strength into your superpower, so to speak. And you'll get there. You will, you will find such an incredible, brilliant job that you've got there laid out in front of you becomes a little bit more easier. Thanks, Chris. I think that's our three very useful pieces of advice there. So we should bring this uh, episode to a close now. But I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Well, it's still a couple of days on the weekend, but do you have any nice plans? So you walk in or at the seaside or read in or a bit of it, all of it? Well, I think probably, probably if the weather stays as it is, um, and I'm looking out at a a lovely blue sky. I can uh, see it, it. It will definitely be out in that peak district, I must tell you. So uh, that is our kind of go-to place. It is my um, green gym and my blue gym. The the blue sky and the green fields are just such a refreshing place to be. Sounds fabulous. And we'll enjoy and thank you again, Chris. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Donna. A big thank you to them both for joining us on this episode of the Girls' Schools Association podcast. Now, the next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.